4: way, the result is disaster. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA.
0: Listen, and you'll know. First of all, if you haven't heard this yet, I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS.
4: You know, I don't think I've ever found myself in a uh, situation like this. And I hope I never do, but I bet many of you have, or some of you have, I should say, where you know something is wrong in a relationship between maybe a friend of yours and, you know, their counterpart, male, female, uh, and a couple, and you just get a sense that something isn't right in that relationship. And I, I don't know what it is, but your radar goes up, and you're saying, there's a problem there and what do I do about it? I mean, how big of a challenge is that for anybody? Like I said, I I was thinking today, that, you know, before the show started today and all day today, have have I ever seen something like that or my wife and I have seen that in another couple we know and have not said anything or not knowing what to do? And I wonder if that is what happened in this whole um, case involving uh, Gabby Petito, whose uh, body or you know who police believe her her remains were found yesterday up there in Wyoming, and her uh, her boyfriend. Uh, Brian Laundrie is still missing today. Uh, The FBI has been at his parents' home all day today. They were taken out of the home so police could go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Not sure what they were looking for. They aren't talking yet. Abby, of course, was just mentioning uh, their attorney or the attorney for uh, Laundrie is going to be holding a news conference in New York tomorrow at 11 o'clock. No telling what that's going to be all all about. But as we read more, and we'll play this... uh, this nine one one call that I know you've heard during uh, Abby's newscast today about a call into the Grand County Sheriff's Department down there in Moab about that incident that everybody has been talking about. But you look at this and you say, okay, if there has been abuse here, and and it, it you know we don't know for sure, but you know you can look at it and pretty well say, yeah, something was going on there. Um, and you know, police in Moab are getting a lot of criticism today for not doing more than they should have maybe. Uh, that is a difficult situation. You talk to any police officer out there, the one thing they hate to have to respond to is an incident of domestic violence. So they're getting critical. You hear this, uh, you hear this uh, dispatch, this 911 call, we'll play the whole thing for you here in a minute so you can get a sense of it. But boy, I mean, when you we're all talk about this in the 5 o'clock hour today because I, I want to hear from you as to what you did or, what you didn't do, and what happened, and how you fell with this, because these are maybe some of the most difficult situations that we all have to deal with when we're seeing one party abusing the other party, and you aren't sure you aren't sure what's going on now, most of the time it's the man abusing the wife, but there have been cases where the women are abusing the husband, so you know not not as often maybe. But I, I, I want to get into that with you today and talk about this because there are some signs out there that we could point to that something was going on, but then apparently nobody did anything about it. How are you, everybody? Hello, Utah. Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show on this Monday afternoon right here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 CanRS. Listen in, you'll know. All right. Uh, here in a minute, we're going to talk about the left's hypocrisy on COVID-19. It was on full display this weekend, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I do want you to hear this 911 call. Um, this was a 911 caller uh, down in Moab who reported a domestic incident between Brian Laundry and Gabby Petito. Uh, it, it took place last month, and uh, the caller says he saw a man slapping a woman. That audio was released today, and here's what it sounded like.
3: Grant County Sheriff's Office. Were you we able to get a description of the Hi, can you hear me, sir? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, uh, I'm calling I'm right on the corner of Main Street by Moonflower and we're driving by and I'd like to report a domestic dispute of Florida with a white van, Florida license plate, white land gentleman Where's five six beard. They just drove off. They're going down Main Street. They made a uh a ride onto Main Street from Moonflower or what were they doing cooperative, but um what do you say? What were they doing? Uh, We drove by and the gentleman was slapping the girl. He was slapping her? Yes, and then we stopped. They ran up and down the sidewalk. He proceeded to hit her, hopped in the car, and they drove off.
4: Now, that is the 911 call to the Grand County Sheriff's Department. Now, remember earlier... Some body cam audio and video had been released when Moab police responded to it, and the disturbing audio that you just heard kind of contradicts a police report in which Petito was depicted as the aggressor in this case. So I'm not sure what's going on here, but we'll get into this more in the 5 o'clock hour and get some of your thoughts on that. It's just such a tragic story. It really is a tragic, tragic story, and we'll uh, let you talk about it coming up, like I said, in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. All right. Uh, Boy, (laughs) I mean, the elite's COVID rule breaking hypocrisy was on full display this weekend. Now, the Emmy Awards last night, this just coming across, according to TMZ, the Los Angeles County Department of Health says the Emmys, which aired last night, were exempt from mask requirements, and the award show was COVID safe. (laughs) That's what they're saying. Full display. Nobody wearing a mask last night, but it was COVID safe. The L.A. County Department had signed off and said apparently um, uh, the vaccinated droplets that the elite spit out are not as infectious as the droplets that you and I would spit out. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that's basically apparently they have some special powers that you know the elites droplets are not as dangerous as the droplets that you and i have each and every day and then you had the case of the san francisco mayor did you hear about her uh, her name is london breed she was spotted at a party dancing it up singing it up just having a good old time without a mask Listen to her explanation as to why she wasn't wearing a mask. And you can use this in the future if you'd like, but listen to what she'd said.
5: I don't care where you're sitting. You're going to get up and start dancing. My drink was sitting at the table. I got up and started dancing because I was feeling the spirit. And I wasn't thinking about a mask. I was thinking about having a good time. And in the process, I was following the health orders. Not to mention the Chronicle reporter who walked up to me had no mask in sight. When I took a picture, as I do in any case or do an interview, yes, I take my mask off when I want to take a picture. I don't need to. I'm vaccinated. I don't need to wear a mask and take a picture every single time. I don't want to. But at the same time, I'm being careful to not only protect myself and to protect other people. This is nitpicking. This is really unfortunate. And let me tell you, when the spirit moves you because you are watching history in the making, Bay Area royalty perform, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to turn around and look for where my mask is or look to see and make sure I'm picking up a drink.
4: <laughs> so here, here's your excuse from now on. If you go into a restaurant and they tell you you have to put on your mask, you can just say, hey, the mayor of San Francisco said she doesn't have to wear a mask when she's feeling the spirit. When she wants to party, when she wants to celebrate, you know she is moved emotionally, and therefore you no longer have to wear a mask. So <laughs> there's the answer, folks. Just tell them you're feeling the spirit, and if you're feeling the spirit, guess what? You don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> it just cracked me up. Now I want to I want to hear one more soundboard before we take a break here. You know we've all been told follow the science listen to the science on COVID-19, and you'll be safe, right? So you had the mask mandates, you had the vaccine, and remember the six-foot social distancing rule. Well, the former head of the Food and Drug Administration, Scott Gottlieb, was on Face the Nation yesterday on CBS, and he was asked where they came up with the six-foot rule. Listen to his response.
6: And you're right, the six feet was arbitrary.
7: The six feet was arbitrary in and of itself. But if the administration had focused in on that, they might have been able to affect a policy that would have actually achieved their outcome. But Mm -hmm. that policy-making process didn't exist. And the Six Feet is a perfect example of sort of the lack of, Um, rigor around how CDC made recommendations. Nobody knows where it came from. Most people assume that the six feet of distance, the recommendation for keeping six feet apart, comes out of some old studies related to flu, where droplets don't travel more than six feet. We now know COVID spreads through aerosols. The initial recommendation that the CDC brought to the White House, and I talk about this, was 10 feet. And a, a political appointee in the White House said, we can't recommend 10 feet. Nobody can measure 10 feet. It's inoperable. Society will shut down. So the compromise was around six feet.
4: Wait a minute. Nobody could figure out 10 feet. So some policy advisor said, oh, well, six feet will work. Let's do that. Follow the science. Isn't that what we've been told? Are you getting it, folks? The hypocrisy surrounding COVID 19 is absolutely ridiculous. All right. More coming up on the Radar Ketchow in Utah's Talk Radio 1059. KNRS listening. You'll know when we come back dealing with a toddler. A terrible two-toddler. That's coming up on the Rod Arquette Show. You wait to hear this story. It's great to have Mike Wilson from Any Hour Services back with us today, taking center stage here on the Rod Arquette Show. Of course, Any Hour Services, if you've got an electrical pl- problem, a plumbing problem, air conditioning, even a problem with your furnace, they're there to help you out. Mike, how are you? Welcome back to the show, man.
8: I'm doing good. How are you
4: doing? I know I'm doing well. All right. What are we talking about today?
8: Well, uh, you know this this cold weather that we're having tonight. It's got everybody thinking about oh, what is all the stuff I got to do before winter comes, and I don't want to add one more thing to the list. But uh, that's I mean that's my area of specialty. So uh, I want to talk about you know getting our furnaces ready for winter, things that we can do ourselves, and then in addition to those things, uh, maybe the benefits of having it professionally tuned up as well.
4: Now, one of the things you've always talked about, Mike, and you recommend go down, take a look at your furnace and anything that's around it. Don't put a lot of clutter around your furnace because it just makes it work harder right
8: yeah for sure i mean the most people's furnaces it's pulling air in from around it and if you put things in the way of it that can reduce the airflow and as we're going to talk about you know throughout the show there's lots of things that you can do but airflow is one of the most important things that you need to watch and increase in your system
4: now i know you want people calling you but there are things people can do before they call you what do you recommend mike uh well i
8: mean Filters, you know mm-hmm. that's a that's mm-hmm. an important thing. You mm-hmm. need to go and make sure your filter is clean. You talked about moving things from around the system. Uh, you know we're going to have a whole laundry list of things that we'll go in depth on because there is quite a few things that you can do yourself. You know, making sure go go down to your uh, thermostat and and make sure that it's set to auto or heat tonight because if it gets real cold and your furnace tries to kick on but it's still on the cool setting, it's not going to kick on because it thinks that like oh well it's cold yeah. and that's what you want it to be. <laughs> and so you know just simple things like that
4: (laughs) all right now let's talk about a furnace tune-up that yes. we're going to be talking about today. What's involved?
8: Well, uh, you know, a tune-up is its really just the term that we use to describe the manufacturer's recommended maintenance and inspection items because your furnace has a lot of built-in safety features and devices in it uh, that are designed to make sure that the system, that the gas ignites, mm-hmm. that it stays mm-hmm. lit, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that your system doesn't overheat. And so manufacturers want us checking all of those vital components to make sure that the furnace is safe, efficient, and that it lasts as long as possible.
4: All right. Now, what's the offer for me?
8: Well, normally we charge $99 to come out and perform this tune-up for you. Uh, But tonight, KNRS listeners aren't going to have to pay $99. They're going to be able to, any KNRS listener that calls in or schedules online tonight before the end of the show, you're going to be able to lock in a $70 savings and get your furnace tuned up. And that includes our no breakdown guarantee. Instead of $99, you're only going to pay $29. Uh, you can schedule for whenever is most convenient for you, but you need to call before the end of the show in order to get that $29 deal.
4: And throughout the show today, we'll be talking with Mike about the furnace tune up and that no breakdown guarantee, Correct. which is a great offer. So call him right now. As Mike said, $99 value, but if you call before 7 o'clock tonight, only $29. But you have to call before we wrap up at 7 o'clock. 801 443 7400 one four four three seven four brings the whole world together. Music
9: from radio number one for music radio and podcasts, all in one app. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
10: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call
4: All right, welcome back to the uh, Radar Ketcho here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, we'll talk about the terrible twos coming up at 435 here on the Radar Ketcho. The scenes on the southern border are absolutely amazing. We see an estimated 13,000 people, Haitian refugees trying to get into the United States, camped under an overpass there in Del Rio, Texas. 13,000 people. Now, there's a story out today that some of the illegal immigrants who've amassed near the Texas border are now leaving the United States. They're going back to Mexico to pick up supplies or avoid being deported back to their home countries. That's what the Biden administration may try and do. Joining us on our newsmaker line right now to talk more about this is R.J. Howman. R.J. is a government relations director with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. R.J., great to have you on the show. Uh, You know, the the pictures, the video, what we're seeing down there is absolutely amazing, R.J. The administration says it wants to go down, pick them up, and send them back to Haiti. Give us an update as to what's going on down in Del Rio.
9: It's, it's another border crisis inside a much larger historic one. You know, Rod, this isn't anything new. Um, the media isn't covering the crisis down at the border anymore. But fortunately, Bill Malugan at Fox News has rightfully given this a lot of attention. And, and again, this is just part of a larger problem, Rod. We're about to hit. We're getting near 2 million apprehensions for the current fiscal year, which concludes at the end of this month. That'll be a historic level, unlike anything we have ever seen before. The Biden administration initially said that the high numbers we were seeing in the spring were seasonal, that they would tail off when temperatures get well over 100 down at the border. Well, the opposite has happened. We've had two consecutive months over 200,000, and now we have this unique crisis with a bunch of Haitian economic migrants coming up, not from Haiti, Rod, but from South and Central American countries, because they know the Biden administration has no intention to deport them. And the one thing that we really need to focus on here is the only thing the Biden administration is really doing to address this is they say they're trying to process these people quickly. But processing in immigration terms, at least in their eyes, isn't removing the people or closing the border – It's processing them into the interior of the country, giving them a notice to appear in immigration court where they will then disappear into the country and never get deported. The crisis doesn't seem like it's (laughs) going to end anytime soon, and Mayorkas is down there at the border right now, and we'll see what he says.
4: Uh, R.J., now a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, Haitian refugees coming through Mexico trying to get into the United States, how did they get to Mexico in the first place?
9: Well, that's a great question, and that's things we don't know, Rod. So it's how can we truly vet these people, know who they say they are, if they're coming as a family, how do we know they're even related? We don't know, yes. We don't know when they left <laughs> Haiti in the first place. A lot of times we don't know the country they were residing in, living, working. Could they have committed criminal activity there? We just do not know. That's why we need to tighten up our immigration system, and we can't simply keep having people come into the country. The other interesting thing to note here is is Haiti was actually deemed a country that you're, we essentially gave amnesty to a lot of people who are Haitians and are currently here. It's called temporary protected status. When there is economic strife, a, a you know a, a mm-hmm. coup or, or, or a weather event in a country, we will not remove those people. But now they claim that they're going to be deporting some of these people to Haiti. Well, if Haiti is a country that people cannot return to, why are you returning them there? <laughs> it's just a mess all around the Biden administration. Everything they do on this issue conflict. And people read between the lines. People can put dots together. You know, Democrats on Capitol Hill trying to do the largest amnesty in history. Biden administration doesn't want to deport anybody. Rod, if me or you were down there in South Central America or anywhere in the world, I'd try to come here, too.
4: What if the Haitians refuse to leave? I mean, what's going to happen, uh, R.J., if the Biden administration says, we're going to gather them all up and send them back to Haiti? But what if they refuse to go? That could get kind of ugly, couldn't
9: it? Well, I think... I think you'd have people within the administration refuse to even do a, implement a policy like that. Again, you do have a lot of law enforcement officials in the Border Patrol, ICE, and other agencies that are just have their hands tied behind their back, that are doing all they can. They want to enforce the law. It's why they you know, went in the law enforcement. But again, you've got a lot of political appointees, people within the White House, who want the borders to be completely open, have everybody in the world come here, and every person who's here illegally get to stay. And again, if we end up in this situation, Rod, where, you know, this border crisis increases, I know the number's now over 12,000. It seems like a steady flow, more people coming in by the hour. This is going to be a new population of people that Democrats demand need amnesty, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the line. That's the end game here. They want that to happen. The bigger the pool is, you know, the, the higher the likelihood that people will get behind some type of mass legalization. So it's just, Again, it's just another chapter in this crazy book on immigration this year triggered by the Biden administration.
4: There was a story out over the weekend, I think, R.J., about some uh, governors, I think 26 of them, who would like to sit down with the president and have a meeting to discuss the border crisis. Do you think he'll even give them the time of day right now, R.J.?
9: Absolutely not. Heck, I don't even know if he's back in Washington. I know he's up
11: (laughs) this weekend.
4: But,
9: you know, a lot of these governors... Rod, they're in border states, too, because a lot of these people, when they get processed at an area near the border, they don't just stay down in Del Rio or anything like that. They go up into the interior of the country. They go meet family members who are also here illegally. It's just a pipeline that goes all the way up. So, yes, every state is is effective, and it's good to see governors get together. And it's like these guys aren't just saying, hey, we're going to disregard what the federal law enforcement is doing. They're asking, hey, can we sit down? Can we discuss a way to address this? That's a good faith effort. But then again, you have somebody like uh, Greg Abbott down in Texas, who that is the front line in his state, and they need to do something. And now we're seeing tons of uh, Texas law enforcement down there at the border. They've actually blocked off a significant area, doing what the federal government won't. That's pretty ridiculous that it's gotten to that point.
4: major blow, R.J., was dealt to the uh, Democrats' reconciliation plan uh, this week when the Senate parliamentarian basically said, I believe, you cannot include an amnesty program into this really budget type of bill. How big of a blow is that to the Democratic Party right now, R.J.?
9: It's it's a huge blow. We're very glad to see this happen. You know, this would have set a a really terrible precedent for the party in power to go around the traditional legislative process talk about a snowball effect on every issue outside of immigration but you know as she noted in her ruling an amnesty for millions of illegal aliens is a significant policy change it's not a budgetary or spending issue it would have a negative effect across the board criminal justice law and order social cohesion these people would be on a lot of federal programs the costs would also be extremely high but Listen, this is something that, you know, Democrats in the pro-amnesty lobby must accept, okay? Now's the time to treat longstanding Senate rules and procedures with respect. Don't ignore them like you do the rule of law when it comes to immigration. Don't call for the parliamentarian to be removed. Don't go harass her at her house. Don't call for the filibuster to be abolished. Maybe take a step back and say, hey, if we truly want to protect these people, we got to go through the regular process, and maybe— maybe stomach some enforcement or, or border security or changes to our system overall things that they've avoided for so long but again this is great to see but again as we're connected to what we're seeing down at the border the negative effects will linger anytime amnesty is discussed in Washington. It incentivizes people to come here legally, illegally, and we're seeing that right now, and it won't stop anytime soon.
4: He is the Government Relations Director for the Federation for American Immigration Reform, R.J. Hammond, talking about the situation with the border crisis.
8: Google Any Hour Services. You can even schedule online at AnyHourservices.com. No one helps more homeowners than Any Hour Services. Wait,
11: give me back my
0: catch show on talk radio 105.9 KNRS.
4: All right, welcome back. The Rod Arquette show on this uh, Monday. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. Busy week coming up. I want to mention this. Um, tomorrow, in the uh, first hour of his show, Glenn Beck's guest will be none other than former president Donald Trump. Now, the president is not shy of doing media interviews, but, um, he has never been on the Glenn Beck Show. Glenn Beck was not a fan of Donald Trump's in the 2016 election. He endorsed Ted Cruz. Uh, so it will be interesting discussion between the uh, former president and Glenn Beck. That's coming up tomorrow in the first hour, the 7 o'clock hour. So make sure you tune in right here on Talk Radio 105.9 Can Listen listening. you'll know. Now, if uh, you're a parent and have uh, had to raise children... You know what the terrible twos are like. And it's just a time when, you know, the the, the the cute little toddlers that they are are kind of developing a mind of their own. I want you to listen to this. What happened in New York? I, I believe this is in New York, a daycare center. The brilliant governor of New York City has ordered all children older than two years old in daycare centers to wear a mask. Well, this poor daycare center was trying to get this two-year-old to wear a mask. Listen to how this went down. <laughs>
11: Put your mask on. No, you gotta put,
3: you gotta wear it on Uh the honey, you gotta keep
11: it on. (laughs) put your
3: mask on
4: there you go keep it right there that's just yeah that's just an example of what that poor little one and that that video went viral like you wouldn't believe joining us on our newsmaker line to talk about it is bethany mandel bethany is editor of ricochet also a contributor at the deseret news bethany how are you welcome to the show
6: Hey, I'm good. How are
4: you? Oh, I'm great. Aren't the terrible twos and terrible threes and terrible fours and terrible fives just wonderful when it, when it comes to raising children, Bethany?
6: So did your producer tell you what happened right before I came on air?
4: No. What happened?
6: <laughs> so I we were connecting, and, and she heard that I was on the phone, and she ran over and grabbed the phone out of my hand and said, I want to say hi, and I was like, I really have to go do this. <laughs> I have to go talk on the phone for a second, honey no no and she starts screaming I want to say hi and, and I was like and I, so I sort of let her scream at your producer until he was like hi hi hello and then she allowed me to come do this radio hit oh, and see? I was so stressed out about it but I was like what am I even talking about I'm like totally flustered and I was like oh that's perfect I'm talking about terrorists Two-year-olds.
4: Terrorist two-year-olds. What do you make of that video coming out of, we believe it's a daycare center there somewhere in New York State, where this poor yeah. daycare center worker has to put a mask on a little two-year-old, and this two-year-old that wants nothing to do with it?
6: Nothing to do with it. I mean, they're, they're really stuck in such a hard position. I, I have been on this, this pedestal, hobby horse, whatever, for almost a year now. Streaming. Where did the CDC get this number from? Two years old. The World Health Organization says no child under the age of six should be masked because they're rational people, apparently, in Europe. But over here, the CDC has decided that two year olds should wear masks, and I don't think they've ever met a two year old. <laughs>
4: And we all they have haven't my we? House. <laughs> they should come to your house, Bethany why are they doing this? I mean, you know why i mean a two year old having to wear a mask
6: i i mean the the infuriating part is a two year old wearing a mask, but last night we watched the Emmys, and it was business as usual mm-hmm. i i I don't understand I mean the answer to your question is I don't know. It feels like an exercise in child sacrifice, like we're the Aztecs. But I mean, these are, these are the only people in our population over whom we still have control. We, we've lost everyone else. Everyone else is going back to usual. Even the, the virtue signaling folks in Hollywood are done with it. They are like, okay, we're going to have the Emmys now and we're going to have the Met Gala and we're done. And so the only people that we can order around are the two year olds. And so that's what they're doing. And it's just, it's, it's so disturbing to me that we are completely ignoring everything we know about child development, that, that we're just, you know, slapping a piece of worthless cloth. I mean, this doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't do anything.
4: Well, it has also put, you know, parents who were traveling with youngsters on an airline flight. The mm-hmm. airlines have had to deal with this. We ha- saw another incident the other day where a little two-year-old, apparently suffering from asthma, from what I understand, was kicked yeah. off an airplane. I mean, wh- what is yeah. that all about?
6: It's crazy. I mean, well, I, I've flown several times in the middle of this pandemic. My, my then youngest, I now have a two-month-old, but my then youngest was under two. And I, I could sort of reason with my, my four-year-old to wear a mask long enough to get in the air, honestly. And that was really about it. And then he snacked the rest of the flight. <laughs> but my two-year-old, I, I can't even get her from the gate to take off with a mask on. Seriously, so my husband and I are thinking about what are we going to do, and I think we're going to fly to Florida for Hanukkah, because, <laughs> or not fly, we're going to drive to Florida for Hanukkah, because we can, I don't think we can fly. We're going to be one of those viral video people.
4: That's a, that's a, and that's a long drive, as you may know, mm-hmm. uh, Bethany. Bethany, what do you recommend to parents who find themselves in situations like this, the parent of this toddler in a daycare center, or if you're flying, any advice you would give to parents?
6: So I have a few pieces of advice. So on the flying front, um, you can't card a toddler. So when you're booking your ticket, does anyone can anyone tell the difference between a 23 month old and a 26 month old? Probably not. I probably
4: don't yeah, think probably, so. Probably so not.
6: just keep, keep that in mind when you're entering birthdays on your tickets when you're booking them. Um, and and for daycare, I mean, I honestly, it's it's such a hard situation because. You're basically bankrupting the the daycares and through no fault of their own. But for me, I wouldn't keep my kid in a daycare right now. A lot of parents are paying other folks to, you know, if if there's a stay-at-home mom who's already home with her kids, can you take my kid and I'll pay you instead? Um, There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of people quitting their jobs, which
11: Hmm. is
6: not ideal. They've budgeted their lives and their mortgage payments and their rent payments based on two-family income, and now all of a sudden they're faced with a decision, what do we do? So, I mean, for the folks in daycare, if if enough people pull their kids out, which I think they should, that's the end of these daycares. And these are really, really important small businesses. So, I mean, honestly, I think people should just burn the phone lines of every single governor who does this. But also contact your congressional representative and ask them to pressure the CDC. Another thing is, especially your listeners are in Utah, your amazing Senator Mike Lee is, is pressuring the CDC to become more accountable and their, their future CDC directors have to be confirmed by Congress. I think that that's a really, really important step. Um, but people sort of have to be proactive and they have to be outspoken because, um, because they're just going to walk all over us and they're going to victimize the easiest people to victimize, which is our children.
4: Well, they sure are. Bethany, hang in there with that two-year-old <laughs> Thank for a few minutes <laughs> of, of your time this afternoon, Bethany. Thank you. Thank you. All right. On our newsmaker line, that's Bethany Mandel, editor of Ricochet, also a contributor at the Deseret News. And you're right, um, making a two-year-old wear a mask I think it's proof positive we have just gone a little too far in this whole thing. All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show. Mike Wilson from Any Hour Services is back with us. They service an area from Ogden to Nephi to Willow to Park City. It's cool out there today. It's supposed to get colder tonight, Mike. Uh, I guess time to think about your furnace, right?
8: Yeah, for sure. You know, it's a little chilly, (laughs) you know, and it's supposed to warm back up. But when when you get these little cold spells, it's Mm. a nice little reminder that like, hey, it's going to get cold. There's some things that we probably need to attend to, and that's you know what we want to talk about with the furnace.
4: Now, the furnace is maybe coming on tonight or tomorrow morning because of the cold weather, and I've noticed this in our furnace at times. You kind of get a burning smell or something's not right, and you, you're concerned about what is that exactly, Mike?
8: Well, over the summer, uh, when you're not using it, because there's two components. Inside your furnace, there's a heat exchanger, Mm -hmm. and it's really only used in the Mm wintertime. And so the rest of the year, you've got all of the dust and things that are being pulled into the system or floating through the air. It'll settle onto that heat exchanger. And so when it fires up for the first time, what it's doing is it's essentially like burning off that dust. And so it creates that smell of something burning because something is burning, but not a flame type of burning. So it's, it's normal. You don't usually have to worry about it. It should go away after a little bit. But, you know, the number one thing that you could do tonight – whether you think you're going to need it because it's too cold or not, is to actually go and turn your furnace on. You know, in the springtime yeah, when yeah. we had that first big heat, you know, you were on the air and mm-hmm, we had talked mm-hmm. because people needed to turn their air conditioners on to test and see if it was actually going to work. Because when it really came time to need it, um, same thing with your furnace go down, turn it on, and make sure that it's actually producing heat because you don't want to get stuck when it really gets cold and you're needing it. And then everyone in the state is trying to turn them on and use them. And it doesn't cause a stress on the you know the infrastructure but if everyone turns it on there's a certain number of those that aren't going to work and then everyone's going to be calling the hvac companies and you're going to have to wait so go tonight turn the furnace on and make sure that it's producing heat it yeah. should just kick on for yeah you.
4: and you were saying take it from cool to heat Because if it stays uncool, it's not going to come out, Correct. Turn that
8: thermostat to heat and and turn the temperature up high enough that it wants to kick on. Let it run for about 10, 15 minutes and make sure that you've got heat coming
4: out. All right. Now, you've got a great offer tonight for a furnace checkup, tune-up, that includes the no breakdown guarantee. Tell us about
8: it. So our no breakdown guarantee is essentially what it sounds like. You know, if you have us come out there and perform a tune-up on your furnace, we guarantee you that your furnace isn't going to break down. Mm -hmm. If at any time during the winter your furnace does stop working, all you got to do is call any hour services and we'll dispatch a technician to your home. We'll diagnose and troubleshoot the system for free. Plus, we'll give you the money back that you paid for the tune-up. Now, normally we charge $99 to come out and tune up the furnace, but any KNRS listener that calls in or schedules online tonight, you're going to lock in a $70 savings and you're going to be able to get your furnace tuned up with the no breakdown guarantee for only $29. But you need to call before the end of the show if you want to get that $29 price.
4: Normally $99, but if you call right now, $29 yep. savings of 7 dollars. Call before 7 o'clock tonight. Here's the number to call 801 443 7400 801 443.
5: Equipment, taxes, and fees extra and subject to change. Security edge not included. Prepaid card offer ends 12 21 21.
4: All right, coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour, we're going to be talking about the uh, Gabby Petito case. Have you ever found yourself in a situation, you're good friends with a couple, but you know something's going on and you don't know exactly what to do? Did Gabby Petito and her friends know this or her friends saw this or family members saw this, but didn't know what to do? Was there domestic violence taking place? We have stories today that there, there has been. He was controlling. That's one of the, the stories that we're hearing today. And what about police? We'll get into that in the uh, 5 o'clock hour with you. Just, uh, what's that old song, rainy days and Mondays get you down? Well, it's not a rainy day, but it is a Monday. <laughs> this may get you down just a little bit. The average American, are you ready for this? The average American spent more in taxes last year than on health care, clothing, food, and entertainment expenses combined. You're right. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics in their annual survey, American tax expenses outweighed the amount that they spend to cover their most basic needs. And now we have the Biden administration who'd like to see her taxes go up even higher. Makes a lot of sense to me, doesn't it to you? All right, we'll get into the uh, details of the uh, disappearance of Gabby Patino, finding her body with Century 21 Everest Group right now. JustinUD.com for the number. That's JustinUDY.com. We're live, we're local, and we're everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. How are you, everybody? Welcome back. Hour number two of the Rod Arquette Show with you. It's a uh, Monday afternoon here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. We're an I Radio station. A reminder, you uh, folks who wake up every morning, tune in to Glenn Beck, Glenn's special guests Tomorrow in the first hour of the show, former President Donald Trump. Now, if you've listened to Glenn long enough, you know during the uh, 2016 campaign, he was not a supporter of Donald Trump. He supported uh, Ted Cruz and was oftentimes very critical of uh, the former president, but then after the president was elected, he got a chance to uh, understand what he was trying to do. He became a big supporter, and tomorrow the former president will be on with Glenn. It is the first time that uh, Donald Trump has been on the Glenn Beck Show. So, uh, and Glenn indicated today, he wants to talk about Afghanistan, he wants to talk about the border, he wants to talk about the economy. Not sure if he'll be able to get in all those topics with the former president, but uh, he will be on tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour, we're told. So we invite you to listen here to uh, the Glenn Beck Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. All right, uh, boy, there are...
6: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: So many questions surrounding the uh, the disappearance of Gabby Peti- uh, Petito. And, uh, you know, her uh, body was found in uh, Wyoming over the weekend. They assumed, they confirmed that it was Gabby's not definitely as of yet, but they will do so. But preliminary indications are that it was Gabby Petito. And the question remains, where on earth is her boyfriend? Brian Laundrie. Now, police, the FBI, has been at the laundry home in Northport uh, Florida, almost all day today i 'm not sure if they 've left as of yet. uh the parents were asked to leave. They were held in an FBI van for several hours. Well, police went through uh, the home looking for everything as Abby mentioned, they go through everything they do a thorough uh sweep of that house, looking for any clues as to what happened and where brian uh landry may uh, laundry may be right now they don't know they 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 searched a huge uh national reserve. About 25,000 acres over the weekend. They've found nothing as of yet. Did uh, Is he hiding out? Did he decide to take his own life? We don't know that. Has he left the country? We don't know that. That's what people are trying to find out right now. Now, a lot of people have been analyzing what's going on here and what happened here. Um, I want to play this again for you. We started the show off earlier with this. I want to play it again. This is a, um, a tape of a 911 caller who called into the Grand Junction or Grand Grand County Sheriff's Department down there in the Moab area about a domestic violence that that this individual saw on the street. Listen to this this call and what he saw happening.
3: Grand County Sheriff's Office. Were you able to get a description of the intoxication? Hi, can you hear me, sir? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, uh, I'm calling. I'm right on the corner of Main Street by Moonflower and... Double. We're driving by, and I'd like to report a domestic dispute yeah. Florida with the white van, Florida license plate, white land, gentleman, uh, five, six, beard. They just drove off. They're going down Main Street. They made a, uh, a right onto Main Street from Moonflower.
11: Or what were they doing?
3: Um, what do you say? What were they doing? Uh, we drove by, and the gentleman was slapping the girl. He was slapping her? Yes, and then we stopped. They ran up and down the sidewalk. He proceeded to hit her, hopped in the car, and they drove off.
4: All right, there's the 911 call to the Grand County dispatcher. Now, this very disturbing audio from this 911 caller seemingly contradicts a police report um, in which Petito was depicted as the aggressor. Remember that? That was a body cam video in which a couple of police officers pulled over and to uh, take a look at an incident that was happening on the side of the road near uh, Moab. Uh, th- this is what happened there. The male tried to create distance by telling Gabby to go take a walk to calm down. She didn't She didn't want to be separated from the male and began slapping him. That's what the police report had to say from Moab police. Uh, he grabbed her face, pushed her back as she pressed upon him, And the van, he tried to lock her out and succeeded, except for her driver's door. She opened and forced her way out and into a vehicle before it drove off. So, so, you know, you're getting kind of two different stories here as to who was the aggressor. Was it Laundrie or was it Gabby Petito? We don't know as of yet. Uh, But obviously, something was going on there. And then, of course, they came here and then went up to Grand Teton National Park. And her body was located, what, Saturday afternoon, Friday afternoon, I think, Friday night is when we got word that a body had been found and it was current confirmed that it appeared to be the body of Gabby Patino. Now, the question is, um, you know, Now, I, I want to add this to it, and then we'll open up your... I've got some questions on this for you. I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Now you have a friend of Gabby's, apparently one of her few friends in Florida. Remember, she's from Long Island, had moved down to Florida, but her friend's name is Rose Davis. And she is telling the Daily Mail online tonight... That laundry was a jealous and controlling partner. Um, the story reads this: the story says the fiance of missing van life woman Gabby Petito represents herself or presents herself as a sweet himself, I should say, as a sweet and caring guy, but is actually jealous and controlling. That's what this friend Rose Davis told the Daily Mail tonight. Um, Davis says that laundry allegedly went so far as to hide Gabby's ID, one, so she couldn't meet with her at a bar, triggering uh, triggering a violent episode similar to the one police investigated weeks before her disappearance. Uh, And Davis says that Brian took her ID just so she wouldn't be able to come meet with me at a bar and have a drink. And Davis goes on to say he got these jealousy issues. And he struggles with from uh, from what Gabby tells me about these episodes, where he would hear things, hear voices, and simply wouldn't sleep at night. Gabby had to stay at my house a bunch of times because she just needed a breather and didn't want to go home to him. Now, that's what a friend is saying. Others are basically painting somewhat of a similar story out there. So you have this 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 tragic story. We don't know where Brian Laundry is, if he's even still alive today, but you have a very tragic story. And, you know, and, and a lot of people are analyzing this. You're hearing from a lot of experts on this today as to what may happen or if this is really a case of domestic violence. And if it is, why didn't somebody step in? Why didn't somebody put a stop to this or see if they could get help? Now, Moab police, they're being criticized tonight by some. They're thinking that, you know, they separated them. Apparently, they told Gabby to go into a hotel room. I'm not sure. I think Brian slept in his van or whatever that night. But Moab police are being criticized that they should have done more. You know, and you hear this other 911 call to the Grand County uh, Sheriff's Department, and that 911 caller said he saw Brian slapping Gabby. So, you know, you put the two and two together. You say, all right, if Moab police had known this, would they have done more in this situation? And then you have people saying, you know, oftentimes, now, remember, in that body cam video that comes from the Moab Police Department, Gabby is basically saying it was her fault. You know, it was my fault that, you know, things got out of hand. He's okay. It's my fault. You know, that is very typical, I'm told, of domestic violence victims. You know, they tend to blame it on themselves instead of the person who may be going after them. So it really does raise a lot of questions. It'll... it'll, It'll be some time before we can figure this all out, but I find it interesting. Now, as I mentioned at the start of the show, I can't recall. My wife has a better memory than I do. Uh, in our years of marriage, or even before we were married, where we were aware of a situation that we knew just mm, it wasn't right. Something was going on. Uh, some, you know, uh, you know, there was abuse, either verbal or physical abuse, taking place. And, uh, you know, and you may have seen this. You may be aware of this. Have you ever stepped up and said, you need help? Ask, ask one of those involved saying, something's going on here. Talk to me. You know, this may not turn out good. Or have you not said anything? And then something does happen that, that's sad. And, uh, I, you know, why is it that we are reluctant to step in and help a couple if we get a sense there may be trouble. I mean, this uh, this is a difficult question. I don't know what I do. Maybe you've done something. Maybe you're you know you're that brave, good friend who stepped in with a, a you know a male or female friend of yours and asked that question. Is something going on? Can I help? What needs to be done? Because if you talk to police, the one thing that police hate to respond to is a call of domestic violence. They they they're put in a situation that they. Do not want to be involved in, but they have to be because there may be violence and someone may be injured. So I want to open up the phones to you tonight and talk about this case. As you look at this, was it, I, I, it's pretty obvious there was some de- domestic violence going on here, uh, but what could have been done about it? 888 570 8010. On your cell phone, dial pound 215 and say, hey, Rod, Moab police are being criticized. Do police not do enough sometime in these cases? You know, and it's a two-way street. Hey, I've heard stories where the women are abusing the guys. Normally, we think of the guy abusing the woman, but maybe it's different in a case. But if you suspected something and have had the courage to say something, or have you suspected something, didn't say anything, and then something very tragic or sad would happen. 888 570 8010, 888 570 8010, or on your cell phone dial pound 250 and say, Hey, Rod, we'll get to your calls here in a minute. It is so great to have Mike Wilson from Any Hour Services back with us today. You know, if there, you have been around since 1961. Yes, sir. Man. You look... Great. I haven't. No, you... Oh, okay. I, <laughs> Wyatt, Wyatt Hepworth, the uh, the owner, his grandfather, <laughs> okay. started a, an electrical <laughs> okay. company See, and
8: I, we've I, expanded.
4: I like, Mike doesn't look that
8: old. I look Be great enough. for my age.
4: Yeah, yeah 1962. And hard right. <laughs> you provide service to Ogden, to Nephi, to Willow, to Park City. See the red trucks all over the place. Tips for us today because the weather is changing,
8: Michael. That's right. Uh, number one, go down to or go to wherever your thermostat is. Make sure that you've got it set in some kind of auto mode so that it can sense if it does get too cold and it'll kick on. Uh, go down to your furnace. A lot of times, our furnaces end up in a mechanical room. At my house, we actually call it the storage room, and so, that's because we put a bunch of stuff down there. So, when it comes time for furnace season, it's more important for your furnace to have enough combustion air. So, make sure you clear the boxes away, move away anything, uh, paint cans, anything flammable like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, there should be also a big metal pipe, like 10 inches, coming into the basement, uh, either in the roof joists or something. That is actually bringing fresh air in from outside, and your furnace needs combustion air. Uh, so does your water heater. Any mm-hmm. gas burning appliance needs combustion air. So make sure that you didn't actually, uh, you didn't stuff a blanket or a pillow up in there uh, during the winter to stop that cold breeze because your furnace needs it. Uh, make sure that you have a clean air filter and then go around the house and make sure that the vents are open and that you don't have any furniture or things blocking any return airs around the house.
4: How do you know if your air
8: filter needs changing? If you take it out and you hold it up to the light, if you can't see light through it, you're not getting enough air through it. Also, if you keep extra clean air filters down there, you can usually hold the old one and the new one up next to each other, and you can usually tell. It's it's brown. It's got a lot of dust and dirt on there. And so if it looks dirty also, go ahead and put a fresh air filter in.
4: As I recall, you have been a victim of not checking your air filter. Right. Look. Is that true? The
8: past stays in the past.
4: <laughs> yeah. No. I, w-
8: it was actually during uh, – it was a it was a cold winter night. and. And uh, my wife yells downstairs and says, hey, the furnace isn't working. And so I go to the furnace and I do <laughs> you know, what I tell everyone to do. And I check the filter and it turns out the filter was dirty. Uh, okay. And so uh. I changed the filter and the thing kicked back up.
4: Didn't mean to embarrass you. Just a little shaming, I thought, would be, would be good today. <laughs> I didn't mean to embarrass you. Just a little shaming. Just a little message. shaming. All right. It's all what, good. About, what about the offer you've got for listeners right now?
8: So, uh, you know, in the owner's manual, it actually says, in addition to all of these things that you do yourself, it is recommended that you have a properly trained technician come out there and perform an annual furnace tune-up. And so, we've developed our furnace tune-up based off of the manufacturer's recommendations. Normally, we charge $99 to come out and perform that service. It's well worth it if you think about, you know... the the surprise breakdowns and things that you're going to avoid by having a tune-up done. But tonight, KNRS listeners aren't going to have to pay 99 bucks. If you call before the end of the show, you're going to lock in a $70 savings and be able to get your furnace tuned up with our no-breakdown guarantee for only $29. Now, when you call... I've, and we've had tons of people calling i'm looking at the call board and so if you're having trouble getting through you can try scheduling online you can call back we'll try and call back as many people as we can but this is a great deal people are wanting to get this done so lock in this this the savings get it done for 29 bucks but you got to call tonight before the end of the show.
4: Savings of $70 tonight, so call any hour services right now, 801-443-7400, 801-443-7400.
7: Communicating. Listen to
9: 9-11 two decades later on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Our catch here on Utah's Talk Radio 1059. KNRS, listen and you'll know. Gabby Petito's friend Rose says her fiance Brian Laundrie, who is still missing, was a jealous and controlling partner. We've had new audio released today by the Grand County Sheriff's Department of a 911 call. The caller telling the dispatcher that he saw the couple and he saw Brian Laundrie slapping Gabby Petito on the sidewalk there in Moab. That's a little bit different from the police cam video that we saw of a Moab police officer responding to a call in which um, Brian claimed that Gabby was attacking her. And, uh, you know, she decided not to press charges. She said, we'll just move on. Everything will be okay, even though I understand police separated them that night, put her in a hotel, and I think Brian stayed in the uh, in the vehicle in which they were driving. But a lot of people are directing their criticism today at Moab Police. A lot of people are thinking, you know, if this had been an ongoing situation, like Gabby's friend Rose Davis had, had uh, indicated or has indicated to uh, the Daily Mail, why didn't someone step in and have you ever found yourself in a situation like that 888-570-8010 888-570-8010 or on your cell phone dial pound 250 and say hey rod let's begin in salt lake city and hear what angel has to say tonight here on the rod Show. angel thanks for joining us tonight Hi. how are you angel yeah could you come off okay, the speaker yeah could you come off the speaker phone is that possible angel Oh, yes. There we go. Much better. Thank you.
10: Okay. Um, So first, I just really wanted to touch base on the fact that I do honestly feel like the Mueller police did everything that they could have possibly done in that situation. Um, I have experienced, unfortunately, a lot of that type of thing firsthand, and that is everything that they can do in that situation. Um, Secondly, I would just like to address that um, I do feel like Brian is hiding um, and or killed himself Mm -hmm. so that he can get away with whatever. He doesn't have to face the charges. Um, But also, I really do feel like Gabby was put in a domestic violence situation. Um, And if they had just separated for the night, maybe she'd still be alive. This is, like, a really touchy thing for me. Um, I hate that this happened, but I do feel like the Moab police did everything that they could do. And I don't feel like it's necessarily their bad or they're at blame for anything. I do believe, however, that the Florida police should have immediately, as soon as they knew that he was home, they should have kept an eye on him and or brought him in for Mm questioning. And I Mm -hmm. feel like they're in the wrong and they should be fully, 110 percent embarrassed for the way they handled this situation.
4: Angel, I'm not sure if you want to go down this road, but I'm going to ask you, have you been a victim of domestic violence and did you yourself get out of it? Can you share what you did in this case? And why did why do you think Gabby did not get out of it if, in fact, there was domestic violence there?
10: Um, I, unfortunately, have been in past relationships. Um, and I think that if she, obviously, I think she was put in that situation. She was in a domestic violence situation. And I think a lot of the time people protect their abusers because they do love them and they don't know what's going to happen to them if they tell the truth. And she may have just been afraid that You know, she -hmm. she lived with Brian, Mm -hmm. and so how was she supposed to go back to Brian's parents and say, I pressed charges, or this or that, you know, like, that's where she lived, and so she was probably just so scared to come out and tell the police what actually happened.
11: Mm. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, because a
10: a lot of my friends and myself, you don't, you know, you're scared, you love that person, you don't want to tell somebody, you don't want them to get in trouble or get hurt, and so you're worried, and... A lot of people in those situations tend to blame themselves, and that's exactly what Gabby did.
4: All right, Angel, thanks for sharing that. Let's go to, uh, I believe it's Nell, who's also in Salt Lake City tonight. Nell, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us.
10: Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing well.
4: Your thoughts on this, Nell?
10: You know, I I would like to plead to anyone that suspects that there's something going on of that nature in their friends, in their families' lives, or just they're an onlooker in some way, to please, like, take the risk of saying something, whether you fear that you might be embarrassing that person or what have you. I mean, it's, it's great to care, but please use your care in caring enough to say something because there's nothing more horrific than being trapped in a situation that you don't know how to get out of, and you have no one you feel like you can talk to about it, mm-hmm. you know. So be that person. Be that person who who will reach out and and make uh, potentially make the difference in in those people's lives.
4: But that's a very difficult thing to do, isn't it, Nell? I mean, people just don't want to interfere in someone's private affairs.
10: It's true. It's true. Unfortunately, you know it is uncomfortable but you know um there's a there's a great phrase that i learned in a um a conflict resolution class called being willing to sit in the flame being able to sit in the fire of discomfort when it comes to resolving conflict and sometimes you know you you have to risk it because you you when it when it comes down to it you care more about that person mm-hmm. than you do about the discomfort.
4: Mm-hmm. All right, now, good advice. Thank you. Appreciate you calling in. All right, more of your calls coming up 888 570 8010. On your cell phone, dial pound 215. And say, hey, Rod, we'll get to more of your calls. And- Listen to 9 11
9: two decades later on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
11: One man, one girl.
0: Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS.
4: The Rod Arquette Show with you on this uh, Monday. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the uh, tragic story involving Gabby Petito, Brian Laundrie. Uh, there was a uh, audio of a 9-11 call, nine one one call released today uh, from the Grand County Sheriff's Office in which a nine one one caller Let a dispatcher know that uh, he saw Brian and Gabby uh, on a street there in Moab. Apparently he was uh, slapping her, according to this uh, call. We have a friend today claiming that Laundrie was jealous and controlling uh, domestic violence. We've seen the video uh, from the Moab uh, body cam, Moab Police Department body camera, in which Gabby was saying, look, it's all my fault. He didn't have anything to do uh, with it. I attacked him. Uh, and then they separated him. She stayed in a hotel at night. He slept in the van. Uh, Moab police are coming under um, uh, criticism tonight that they didn't handle it properly. Others are saying, you know, police, their hands are tied in many of these situations. Uh, but my question to you tonight, have you ever been in a situation where you just kind of, something was telling you something's not right here, something's going on between this couple? Uh, and And it could be a case of domestic violence. And y- you either have stepped in or you haven't stepped in, and why not? 888 570 8010 on your cell phone. Dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, back to the phones we go, and let's talk with David, who is in Taylorsville tonight. David, how are you? Welcome to the show.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the
1: deli, I guess. Uh Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do
2: I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting.
0: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voila prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
7: I'm fine, Rod. Thanks for taking my call.
4: You're welcome. Your thoughts on this?
7: You know, every every man should stand up for a woman or a child that's in distress and is being beaten or being hurt. Uh, a couple years ago, well, quite a few years ago, I came home from work and in the hallway in my apartment, my next-door neighbor was going to work on his wife. And she was already bleeding from the nose, and he was not slapping her. He was hitting her with an open fist. Mm. So being who I am... I restrained him, and uh, she took off and went with her sister and left, and he left somewhere. I think he went into the apartment, so I went into my apartment, and about a half hour later, a knock came at my door, and it was Salt Lake Police, and they were prepared to charge me with assault, so all I'm saying is that this is a double-edged sword. It's a very uh, slippery slope. She, the woman, actually called the cops on me, and luckily I was working as a bouncer at the time. And one of the cops that show up knew me from the hole in the wall where I worked and said, Dana, did this happen? Did this, you know, is this the way it really happened? Was he really, I go, yeah. I mean, she had marks on her face. This was before they would take everybody to jail, you know? And, uh, luckily they didn't charge me, but you have to be careful. Uh, obviously you can't let a woman be beaten to death or no, be beaten no, unconscious, No, but. You could be putting yourself at risk. It's a strange dynamic.
4: Yeah, it, it, it is. What it sounds of like, it, David. Thank you. Uh, I have a zero tolerance for any man that lays a hand on a woman. Zero tolerance. There is absolutely no excuse for it. Even if she strikes you, it does not give you permission to hit her back. That's just my opinion. Uh, and I was taught that by my, both my mother, my mother and father. My father said, and I never saw my father do anything to abuse my my good mother, and he would always say, don't I ever catch you hitting a woman. I will not tolerate it. Let's go back to the phones. Let's talk with uh, Meredith, who is in uh, Battlefield tonight. Meredith, how are you? Welcome to the Radar Catch Show. Thanks for joining us, Meredith.
12: Thanks for having me, Ron. Hey, I would just like to say, you know, When domestic violence and stuff like this happens, I think that, you know, people are so quick to play the blame game of the, you know, the cops should have done this. The Mm -hmm. caller that Mm -hmm. called in that seen him, him slapping her around. Why didn't he do something about it? The friends coming out saying you know, oh, he was this way, he was that way, and it, you know, and it's it's really a tragedy that it takes a tragedy for everybody to come out and say, hey, there was something wrong with yeah. this relationship.
4: Yeah, that's a good point, that's and a good point. It,
12: it is, and, and you know, um, I was in a particular situation myself, and I actually alerted one of my friends, hey, look, your, your spouse is very abusive towards you. Well, in the end, I ended up losing that friend because she sided with him.
11: Hmm. Really?
12: And so it's really a catch-22 when it comes to friendship and what you, when you're going to say something and when you're not going to say something. But I actually took that step and said something and lost a friend over it.
4: Uh, wow. And you were trying to just so, help out. You were just trying to help out. Yeah. Wow.
12: Yeah, because that's what you were supposed to do. And like, like you know, not blaming the guy that called in saying, hey, you know, I see those guys slapping the crap out of this girl walking down the street. I would have been the type of person to pull over and say, dude.
4: <laughs> what Why are you, doing? Are you slapping yeah. this girl? What are you doing? You're right. All right, Meredith, thank you. All right, uh, more calls. We've got Bobby and we've got Ron. Hang on the line. We'll get to your calls and comments coming up here on the Rod Arquette Show. And our lines are open at 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, Mike Wilson from Any Hour Services is back with us. They're taking center stage tonight. You know, um, if we're good at changing filters. Yep, And my wife's pretty good at it. I mean, she's every three or six months. I mean, she she just thinks we got to go change the filter. If you're good at doing that, is there anything else that you would recommend that people could do to uh, keep their furnace operating effectively?
8: Yeah. You know, something that I think is even more overlooked than the filter is actually just in general cleaning the furnace and cleaning around it. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is when that furnace kicks on, there's so much... um, velocity of the air it kind of pulls in any kind of dirt or dust that's actually around the furnace so like if you haven't done this like this is a great time to do it go down and sweep around the furnace get any like bugs dust dirt that's settled on the floor if you've got a shop vac vacuum it wipe down the outside of the furnace that any dust there things that may have collected there if you're comfortable taking the doors off you can take the doors off and just shop vac uh any loose dust that mm. you see in there mm. you can uh Anything that's collected on the blower wheel, if you want to take a soft bristle brush and just kind of dust it a little bit, just be careful around the circuit board itself. You don't want to knock anything loose, but any kind of dust that you can take out of the system, out of the floor, out of the air is going to help because dirt is one of the number one killers of your system. It can clog up the gas valves, uh, you know, the components inside.
4: Anyway, you have got a great offer tonight, but included in that offer is the no breakdown guarantee. Explain what that is, Mike.
8: So the no breakdown guarantee, you know, every year when we take a look at like our, uh, you know, our margins and the services that we offer, one of the things that we take a hard look at are these tune ups. And we're always asking ourselves, how do we bring more value for that tune-up? How do we make it, you know, risk-free for someone to actually have this service done? Because we believe the manufacturers, when they say your system's going to run better and last longer when you have this done. And so what we what we did last year is we added this no breakdown guarantee because we we went to the managers and we were like, hey, you know, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Okay, we, we added filters a couple years ago where we would replace a filter when we come out there as part of the tune-up. And then we're like, you know, If this thing breaks down, if you did the tune-up right, like, should we be catching those things? Because if you're doing a proper tune-up, you should be able to identify potential problems and and correct minor issues. And so anyway, the no-breakdown guarantee that we introduced is we're going to stand behind that thing so much that if your furnace happens to break down any time in the winter after we've performed the tune-up, we're going to come back out for free and figure out why it did, and we're going to give you back the money that you paid for that tune-up. So tonight, that's $29 if you call in and take take advantage of this deal. If it's some other day, it might be $99 that you're getting back.
4: You have to give them a call tonight. As Mike said, 801 443 7400 801 Big Lou at 800 230 2777. 800 230
9: 2777.
4: All right, welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show. Just joining us, we're talking about the uh, Gabby Petito case and Brian Laundry. Was domestic violence involved in this case? Obviously, there are signs it certainly was. And we're asking you tonight, uh, are you aware of a situation? Have you stepped in? What have you tried to do to bring an end to it? If you can, let's go right back to the phones and talk with uh, Bobby, who's in Harriman tonight. Bobby, how are you? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show.
13: Hello. Um so I have a daughter that 's in a in a sticky relationship, and um, I myself, her father um, didn 't treat me very nicely and so um, I learned from that experience that i didn 't like people telling me that my husband was a bad person, and it wasn 't until after I got out of the relationship that I really recognized that the that the situation was bad. Um, I was fortunate that she figured it out on her own mm-hmm. that The relationship that she's in is not healthy, but unfortunately, she's still in that relationship, and she's trying to make it work. Um, We're not happy about it, but um, what we're doing is we're we're trying really hard not to badmouth the man, yeah, and we're trying to help her understand that the behavior is not appropriate. The behavior is not healthy. Bobby, um, Bobby, can I,
4: can I interrupt you there? I mean, you've been through this. Uh, Why not just tell her to walk away from it? It's not going to work. We have, you have, we have really, Mm.
13: we have, She's she's loves him. And part of the problem is he's manipulated her to the point that she doesn't think she's going to find anybody else.
11: Mm.
13: Um, These men are narcissists. They're sick. And they, they look for victims um, they look for women that they can victimize, that they can manipulate and that they can control. And, um, and so once they have them, they, they tell them that they're not worth anything and the women believe them. They tell them that they're not going to accomplish anything. They're never going to be able to find anybody else. And the women believe them. And so they stay with them because they have devalued them to the point that they don't think they're worth anything.
4: And does your daughter feel like that, Bobby? Bobby, does your daughter feel like that now? She she does. does. Mm.
13: She she does. She absolutely does. She doesn't think she's going to find anybody else. And she has admitted that she has settled.
4: All right, Bobby, thank you. Got to cut you off there because I've got to get to uh, another break at the top of the hour. These are very, very difficult situations. And uh, for those of you who who, uh, do step in, uh, bless you. May you be protected. Uh, For those of you who are caught in a situation, you're looking for help, there are ways to reach out to people who can help you. And uh, I hope you do that. Not easy, as Bobby was saying. Unbelievably difficult situations. All right, when we come back. Salt Lake and Utah County area's famous discount appliance store for 40 to 70% off. ThriveAppliance.com. Course we're everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. How are you, everybody? Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show. Hour number three, uh, just a, a program note. Write this down. Remember this. Put it in your uh, phone to remind you. Um, former President Donald Trump, for the first time ever, will be a guest on the Glenn Beck Show tomorrow morning. He's scheduled to be on, uh, on with Glenn in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, we would assume right at the beginning of the show because uh, of the time difference they have uh, between the east coast and central time Glenn's in texas of course the former president is in uh, florida so we understand that he is scheduled to be the first guest on the show tomorrow glenn indicated today he wants to talk to him about the border crisis afghanistan the economy not sure how much time he'll be able to get in but uh that's tomorrow morning now uh as i mentioned this is the first time that the uh, the former president has agreed to come on Glenn's show. So it should be a very, very interesting discussion. That comes up tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock hour, right here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. Uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, police this last hour. Of course, uh, police in Moab drawing some criticism uh, for their handling of the case involving uh, Gabby Patino, uh, Petito uh, and her uh, boyfriend, Brian Laundry. Uh, and police, you know, are being criticized. Maybe they could have handled it differently. There are some people who say, no, they did about all they can in that situation. And we know involving, the, you know, the situation involving law enforcement and first responders in this country ever since the um, the uh, death of George Floyd back in on Memorial Day of last year. And you've had reports of police departments, officers leaving. Uh, you have the defund the police movement. Calls for police reform, so you wouldn 't be surprised that a new study here in Utah is gauging the Utah police and firefighter and their dissatisfaction, and what can be done to help that out? Well, joining us on our newsmaker line right now is state representative Matthew Gwynn. he is also the police chief in Roy City. Uh, chief Gwynn, great to have you back on the show. Great to chat with you today. Um, as you look at these numbers. What are you hearing? What are you seeing as a result of first responders and how they feel about their job in Utah right now, Chief?
0: Well, I think what we're seeing when we look at the data is not what we expected to see. We knew that there was some dissatisfaction and we knew there was some recruiting and re- uh, retention problems. And as you can see through the through the bidding between agencies for salaries, it's uh, it's a pretty
4: significant problem. How are you? Um, att- yeah, last- go ahead. How are you attempting to address it? What needs to be done? Do you think?
0: Well, so I opened up a bill file last year that uh, that allowed for uh, the removal of the one-year cooling-off period, and what we, had, what we had hoped would happen was that officers that had retired would go to work for smaller agencies and could afford to make less per hour because their pension would make them whole, and this would alleviate the smaller problems from having to pay uh, substantial amounts of money for training, wherein the officer just leaves once they get some experience. Well, that bill was pretty expensive didn't come out of rules for a committee debate and so I opened it up again this year but this year I opened it up with an addition to the bill that says okay uh, we're gonna go ahead and we're going to take the 25year requirement that was implemented as part of tier 2 in 2011 and we're gonna we're gonna get rid of those five additional years that they placed on us a decade ago
4: The changes that you want to make, uh, Chief, are they targeted more toward the more veteran police officers or the newer officers that you would like to retain more? I mean, I imagine you'd like to retain both, but the changes, who are they targeted to?
0: That's actually a great question, Rod. It's actually targeted to both, and here's why. So when I ran the bill last year, um, I was told by other legislators that the cities needed to be responsible and needed to pay better wages. And as I researched this problem, I actually learned that during the debate of the Tier 2 pension reform, it was actually noted back then that the cities would actually have to pay more. And quite honestly, they haven't. But that has changed now. So the cities are stepping up and doing their part to retain and recruit talent. What this bill would do is it would hopefully keep the officers in the system because they're not having to work 25 years. Instead, they'd be working the 20. But those officers that did want to leave at 20, could go to smaller agencies where they're maybe not as busy, but they can use their experience and, again, their pension to be made whole in those cities where they can't be paid as much by the hour. Why so it's do, a holistic approach. Yeah, That's, why, what, we're, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm aiming for.
4: The, why do you think cities have stepped up? Have, seen the, have they seen the handwriting on the wall? If they want to retain good police officers, they do have to pay them more. And have they stepped up that much?
0: Uh, the bigger agencies have, but the bigger agencies that have uh, much larger funding sources have stepped up so much that smaller cities and rural Utah can't compete with them. And so these smaller cities spend exponential amounts of money training people who are just leaving, or they're sponsoring people through the academies who may or may not graduate or who may or may not make it off their field training. And these larger agencies can literally go out and poach officers from other agencies. I I gave uh, two offers. I hired or I interviewed four officers last week. Mm-hmm. I gave two offers. And of the four, I'm not getting one candidate. Is I'm just having to start back over.
4: Yeah, it, and and is, I'm in a
0: city with 40,000 residents. Yeah,
4: Is that a common challenge for cities like yours and even smaller cities? I imagine the challenge would be even bigger, wouldn't it?
0: That is the challenge for smaller cities. I get that the larger cities are understaffed, but they have much larger funding sources, and they're literally taking our smaller agency employees to their agencies.
4: Police work and firework um, are traditionally a very family-oriented process. You know, if the father is a police officer, the chances of a son or daughter becoming a police officer increase. Same with firefighters. Is that starting to decline, and is that a worry to you, Chief?
0: So that was one thing that we we wanted to measure. We weren't really expecting to get the results that we did, and what we learned was that 45% of those that were actually surveyed absolutely would refuse to recommend a career in public safety to a family member or friend. Of those that said they definitely would was only about three and a half percent. Now, to go along with that, 41% of officers said had given the opportunity to do it again, they would not have chosen a career in public safety. That's almost half of our current employees who wish they would have done something different. That's pretty catastrophic.
4: Wow, it sure is. How do you change it, Chief? I mean, how do you convince somebody... To want to be a law enforcement officer or a firefighter knowing the mood of the country at times. I think there are a lot of people out there who support police. We just don't hear enough from them, in my opinion. But how do you change the thinking right now that life as a police officer or a firefighter is a good career?
0: Well, I think we just have to keep reiterating that the communities are supportive of law enforcement. Law enforcement officers aren't concerned about the residents and the citizens they serve they actually know and feel supported by the community. The data bears out that they are actually less trusting of their elected and appointed leaders and of the media than they are of the people who are actually calling when they need
4: help. Your thoughts on the changes you want to make before the legislature this year? Will they be more open to the ideas and the changes that you've made, do you think, Chief?
0: So I do believe they're going to be more open. Um, I had some conversations with people behind the scenes during the last, section, uh, during the last session. Um, as you know, I presented my bill to the Interim Committee, and it actually passed out of the Interim Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Committee with their unanimous endorsement. So we're still waiting on a fiscal note. Um, I just landed a Senate sponsor who's pretty supportive of this measure. I think we will be successful. I don't know what the bill's going to look like at the end. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
5: A laundry?
1: Ooh, a book club!
0: but at the end of the day, it's getting a lot more traction than it did last year, and I'm hopeful we'll be able to make something out of it.
4: It always comes down to the money. Do you think the money will be there?
0: If they want to solve the problem, they will find the money.
4: On our Newsmaker Line, State Representative Matt Gwynn, who is also the police chief, in Roy, talking about uh, a new study taking a look at uh, disfati- dissatisfaction, I should say, among firefighters and police here in the state of Utah. More coming up on the Rod Arquette Show. Right now, Mike Wilson back with us from Any Hour Services on center stage today. You know, cold weather. We're going to need the furnace. That's what Mike is here talking about today. Of course, Any Hour Services, you see their red trucks. I see them all over the place, Mike. From Ogden to Nephi, from Tooele over to uh, Park City. So they're there to help you out now. We've been talking a lot about air filters, yep, which are important, keep them clean. Are there other things people should do though? When it comes there, their furnace, making sure it get it's ready for the winter.
8: Sure, I mean the biggest thing tonight: go home, turn the thing on, mm-hmm. make sure that it actually fires up and that you've got warm air coming out. Let it run for about ten or fifteen minutes, uh, and make sure you still have warm air coming out of the thing at, at the end of that time frame. Because what can happen is if your system is overheating, it might come on and blow warm air for a few minutes, but then there's a safety device in there that will actually cause it to shut down if it's overheating, and that's to protect the equipment Mm -hmm. and try and help it last as long Mm -hmm. as possible but then it will kick back on once it cools down but so go turn it on Uh, you know go around open the vents after you've changed the filter airflow is number one make sure you don't have things stacked up against the furnace Uh, but you know I think the biggest thing for people go and turn the thing on make sure it comes on and then if you haven't had the thing serviced in a while you know Get on some get on somebody's – whether you call us and have us come mm-hmm. out and tune the thing up, get on someone's schedule to have the thing maintained the way that manufacturers recommend.
4: Now, normal people like myself yes. entertain ourselves by going to movies and reading books. <laughs> yes. I know you entertain yourself by reading how-to man- Unfortunately. manuals on appliances. <laughs> so you would answer that. Why do they recommend Why do the manufacturers recommend you get a furnace tune-up Well, I
8: mean, don't? if you think about it, they think that they make a good product. They uh-huh. want you, they want it to last as long as possible. They want it to break down as infrequently as possible. They want you to be happy with it so that when it comes time to replace it, you've got positive brand association with whatever furnace mm-hmm. you've got right now. But they also know that in order for that thing to perform at its potential, you have to take care of it. And so that's why They recommend that you have the thing serviced every year.
4: All right. Is there a favorite manual that you look at every year? (laughs) Well, mine, of course, (laughs) (laughs) whatever my system is, but yeah, I like to, I just,
8: well, and, and in my defense, I don't read everything. I go straight to the maintenance oh, okay. part sure, to sure, see what
4: I'm sure, supposed to be. Sure. All right. I believe you. I believe you. All right. What about what about tonight's deal? <laughs> sure. Because uh, I understand phones are going crazy. They, so. they are going yeah, crazy.
8: Yeah. So, like, if you are having trouble getting through, you can try the online scheduling option at our website. But here's, here's the deal. Normally, we charge $99 to come out to your home. We uh, go through your furnace, top to bottom, check all the vital components. We check the ignition sequence. We make sure that the thing is able to uh, do the job on a really quick, cold night. We document everything that we find. We answer all your questions. And then after we're done, we actually guarantee you that the thing isn't going to break down this winter. And if it does, all you have to do is call us and say, hey, the thing broke down. We'll send a technician out to your home for free to figure out why, and we'll give you the money back that you paid for the tune-up. But here's the deal. Instead of $99, tonight KNRS listeners are going to be able to lock in a $70 savings and get all of that stuff done for 29 bucks.
4: But they've got to call before 7 o'clock. Before the end of the show. And if the phones are busy, keep trying, or they will- leave a message and you'll call them back. Yeah, that right, Keep Mike?
8: trying. We're calling people back. We've got an after-hours overflow that's answering calls. We've got the online scheduling. We're doing everything we can to give everyone the opportunity to take advantage of this deal that wants it.
4: 801-443-7400. 801-443-7400. thing that brings the whole world together, music. From iHeartRadio, number one for music, radio, and podcasts, all in one app. They're on our ketchup here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9. KNRS, listen, and you'll know. I remember, I'm old enough to remember, when Richard Nixon ran for office back in 1968. That followed a uh, you know the Vietnam protests, the race riots of the 60s, and Richard uh, Nixon ran on a pl- platform of law and order. Well, is that going to be one of the platforms that Republicans run on in the midterm elections yet next year and then in uh, 2024? It all depends on what's going on, but... There's no doubt that the uh, Republican Party has now become the champion of police. Well, why? Joining us on our newsmaker line right now is Jennifer Graham. She is a reporter, writes for the Deseret News. Always great to have Jen on the show. Jen, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, I want to ask you what you thought of uh, and what you made of Donald Trump's visit. On 9/11, to police and fire departments there in New York City, and not going to the 9/11 memorial. What did you What did you make of what Trump was trying to do?
2: I thought that that was completely on brand for him. And you know, I who knows whether or not he did that in response to criticism that he wasn't going to the different memorial services. So I don't know anything about the timing of this, and I, I shouldn't speculate as to his motive. But the, I mean, the fact that he did go to the police department and and to the fire department in new york I and mean, that that is exactly what he's been doing for the past few years of talking up the police so um regardless as i say regardless of what you think of his motive it, it was completely in keeping with uh the kind of things he's been saying
4: i have always thought really since goldwater days and nixon days that the gop has been the party of law and, law and order has it changed over time are they embracing it more what do you see happening
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more prominent, right, And that it's actually making the platform, um, the the
6: 2016
2: platform, which also turned out to be the 2020 platform of the GOP, specifically said, we are the party of law and order. So, I mean, they they are establishing this, and as you point out, this is something that's been going on since the 1950s and 60s. And um, interestingly enough, there's a lot of parallels between that time and now, um, in terms of the social unrest of 2020,
11: and also uh, the rioting that
2: we saw last year, it it really has worked out well. I hate to say that, but it it does fall in line with the GOP platform and what they are hoping to emphasize.
4: Can they reach out to the independents in this country, and they're 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 critical in future elections as they are in any election? But does that message sell well with? Um, independent Americans, or people who hate this idea of defunding police?
11: Well,
2: it's interesting that you say that because it really is the mainstream uh, position in America right now. You know, the, the Democrats are, are wanting to focus more on police reform and perhaps um, taking away some money or redirecting some money from police departments is how they like to refer to it. But in fact, um, the, the polling over the past year shows that the only a minority of Americans want to see police budgets cut. I think uh, the, the figure that I quoted in my article came from Pew Research Center, and they found last year, last summer, that only a quarter of Americans say they want to see uh, police budgets cut. In fact, um, 42% say that they want to keep it the same, but interestingly, enough, 31% want more money to go. So... I mean, this is the kind of thing that the GOP should really own, I guess, if if they're wanting to see some growth, because it, it's the support for police cuts across ideological lines.
4: You know, I found it interesting, and you point this out as well, Jennifer. the The return of the uh, the real life series called Cops coming back to Fox News, uh, polled after I think shortly after the uh, the George Floyd incident there in uh, in Minneapolis this past year. Uh, that's kind of interesting that they've decided to bring that. And apparently, are bringing back some other other series to look at the at the efforts that not only police but first responders do in the country. Interesting.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, this, again, it is totally on brand for Fox News to do this. It's it's smart thinking on their part to to say, hey, we're going to give free subscriptions to first responders to their streaming service, which is called Fox News. And uh, you're right. Uh, that, that series, which was, um, I, I can't think off the top of my head how many years it's been on the air, but for more than a decade. Yeah. And, you know, it was very popular as a reality show. And But in, in the heightened tension of last summer, they just gave the decision to take it down. We didn't know where that movement was going to go. But clearly there's some interest in watching policemen do their jobs. And, yeah, there's always a case in the news, right, that we fixate around uh, this week, the Gabby Petito story. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are always reasons to rally around the police, right? I mean, we, we do go through these periods of concern about their techniques. But overall, support for police, as the Pew Research Center polling shows, is there, and Fox News is hoping to capitalize on it.
4: I thought it was interesting that uh, there were some Democrats out there, uh, Jennifer, not many, but a few of them spoke up and said, look, this idea of defunding the police is not a right move to make or not a right slogan to use. Maybe we should look at, let's reform the police or let's go back and take a look at police. Why do you think some people went so far as to calling defund the police?
2: Well, one of the things that I, I found interesting in reporting this story was learning that this really was a totally new phrase. And that even though there have been partisan differences on this issue going back 50 or 60 years, there's never been anything so radical that has been proposed. <laughs> yeah. And it really did come from the extreme part of the Democrat Party. And, you know, we've seen Biden try to distance himself from that. And there's, there's some real concern among the Democrats that I've spoken to that that's the kind of thing that might come back and hurt them next year.
4: Final question for you, Jennifer. I noticed today the uh, U.S. Supreme Court is going to take up the abortion case. Hear arguments, I think, in December, a ruling expected sometime in June. There's no doubt that's going to be a key issue in the uh, midterm elections come 2022. But what about this issue of law and order? How much will the, de- or the Republicans try and use this in the midterms next year?
2: Well, it depends on what happens, um, you know, in, in terms of uh, crime. Right now, AO crime does seem to be increasing. Violent crime, homicides is increasing. And if this continues, if it's not just a blip, this is something that they will be able to use and to campaign on.
4: On our newsmaker line, that is um, Jennifer Graham. She writes for the Deseret News talking about how the GOP is becoming much more. Police friendly. The Rod Arcetchow continues here on Utah's Talk Radio 1059. KNRS, When we come back, we'll tell you
1: when you think credit, think yes. Think credityes.com. That's credityes.com.
11: Put me on a highway to interstate. A dirt road to any place. Long as I'm
4: Our on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. You know, I don't think a day goes by anymore where we aren't hearing a story about a parent or group of parents very upset about what their kids are being taught in our public schools. There was a, a case, uh, what was it, last week, I think it was in Ohio, where the uh, where the mayor even threatened to criminally charge members of the school board for a book about, uh, I think the, the name of the book was called six hundred and forty two things to write about and it included some very uh disturbing things that the parents on objected to it i had a case over the late last week as well where i think it was a, a, a parent down and i believe it was somewhere in texas may have been the austin area but she went before the school board and yelled at the school board basically for putting out material for their children to read or write about concerning anal sex So, you know, like I said, almost a day doesn't go by anymore where you don't hear stories like this around the country. And that's why I've always encouraged parents to pay attention to what their children are being taught in public schools. Well, there is a very unique public school that has been put together in Colorado. And joining us on our newsmaker line to talk about it is Joy Pullman. Joy is the managing editor at The Federalist. Joy, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, What does this school do and why were you attracted to write about this school, Joy?
1: Well, uh, to be honest, I was just really glad to hear good news, and I wanted to know more about it. I was <laughs> been in need of a pick-me-up lately with all the news going on, and so I you know, got an email from one of the families there uh, about another one of my pieces that I had written, and so you know, it was telling me about how they did this, and I thought, this sounds like a great story. You know, please tell me more, and it was great. It really was very, I mean, really encouraging and made me happy every time I talked to people out there.
4: What exactly is a Merit Academy, and what makes it different, Joy?
1: So a Merit Academy is basically a a public charter school that a a set of families um, created in their rural Colorado town. Um, And a charter school is a public school that basically can be privately or locally run, so basically not by a local school district. Um, And so that mechanism basically allows, you know, there's you can have... much more variety with charter schools than typically is available from a traditional district public school, and so um, depending on the state, you know, I, I think actually that U, Utah is a pretty pretty um, free state. They mm-hmm. have a number of charter schools out there. You know, a groups of families or a corporation or sometimes nonprofits can put together basically an entire basically business plan for here is you know all of our plans for all these important components of running a school, and then apply to depending on the state, you know, whatever is the right agency um, and to, to evaluate that proposal and see if it will give them permission to, in fact, put it into action. And so that's what these families did. In Colorado, um, it's actually local school boards that are in charge of deciding what, basically, they'll allow a competi- a local competitor. So typically, those local school, school boards say no, and theirs did. Um, but these families didn't stop there. Um, they heard about a little-known provision in the state that actually allows uh, other regional kind of school board agencies groups that buy curriculum and things to contract out for an education and they essentially um, it got approved through them to run as a uh, as a public charter school and you know they <laughs> they received that permission this April they were up and running this August so four wow. months wow. To find a Find a building to you know hire uh, you know several dozen teachers to get a principal buy a curriculum all of that and they did it.
4: <laughs> well, it, and it sounds like Joy they had to jump through a lot of hoops just to make uh, to have this come to reality, right?
1: Oh, I mean a huge amount. You know, so a charter school application like I'm talking about is often more than a hundred pages, right? You know, it is a very serious thing to be asking yet you know, for access for state funds um, for kids to run basically your own public school. So, you know, they want to see a lot of information. And then there's a bunch of bureaucraties. You've got to, you know, show, you know say how you're going to fulfill all, you know, all the many, 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 you know, education requirements from all the various levels of government. So it takes, you know, these, these families actually estimated that in, in the one year they spent doing all of this work on their own time, on their own dime, you know, volunteer, you know, all, completely volunteer work, 9,000 hours they put together in the last year um, to get that going.
4: What exactly makes it different when it comes to the children, how they're being taught, what they're being taught? What makes it so different, Joy?
1: Well, the, one of the number one things that I heard from the parents I was talking to, their school district, like many across the country, had been, pre, even pre-COVID, really transitioning to very computer-based learning. So, And they were moving the computers in, into lower and lower grades, so starting with the high school and then going down. You know, so to the point where kids were spending on average two to three hours every single day, you know, basically being instructed through computer-mediated instruction. So rather, you know, than a teacher talking to them face-to-face, interacting with them personally, you know, at least half, if not more, if you, you know, count recesses and lunch and all that, Up, you know, a very large amount of, you know, the actual learning was being done by outside, you know, sources that really, you know, parents didn't, they didn't have, you know, great access mm-hmm, to that, they couldn't use mm-hmm. the curriculum, and some of the things their kids were bringing home, they weren't really happy to. And then, of course, you know, I, I mean, just the, we know from other research that, you know, uh, basically uh, getting kids, the, the way uh, that kind of screens work on our brains is especially harmful to children, and parents were seeing those effects. They were seeing moody children, they were seeing disengaged children, um, you know, so, so that, that kind of tech-based learning that especially you know, negative effects will show up among some kids, although You know, they affect more kids than show it. That was a big deal for the parents, and they had complained to their district, and their district basically ignored them. You know, so there was a large base of parents who really didn't want uh, a very important thing that the local school was offering. So that kind of created, you know, basically, uh, you know, a great market for a different kind of approach to education. Another one that parents really, really, you know, wanted was they wanted more, just a return to traditional instruction. So they wanted kids to be reading actual books, And not just random books, whatever is in the latest scholastic catalog, but enduring works, great literature, things that have always comprised what an educated person is, someone who's able to participate in a functioning and, and you know, uh, highly elevated, you know, uh, advanced society. Um, You know, they want their kids to have actual traditional instruction in math, not just worksheet-based, you know, and and, and lots of Socratic Mm -hmm. discussions, and this was really important. Uh, You know, there's all kinds of things, so I'll close with this kind of one. Uh, is that the the discussion, the Socratic, the teachers really helping the kids think through and make their own thoughts and really have an informed uh, you know, informed basis and, and uh evidence base you know, for making arguments and can learning how to make good arguments in class rather than just pushing into kids political and other agendas and saying, You must believe these are your bad person. They really wanted the kids to be learn the tools to come at their opinions and their mature, you know, kind of things they'd turn out um, as, as adults, they wanted to be given the tools to do that for their own not being programmed.
4: So, Joy, it sounds like this school is based on more on the relationship between a student and a teacher than technology, the relationship between a student and their computer, is really based on relationships.
1: Very much. And, I mean, that is that right? gets to the heart of the fact that, you know, what, what is a child? Is a child like a widget, you know, or a little um, machine we push a button and get out a response? Or is a human being... Does a human being have more dimensions than a robot or artificial intelligence? Is are there things that we can't quantify, that we can't understand, and that really can only be drawn out through, you know, some people would say through the soul of a person, right? Reaching into um, that uh, ineffable and indescribable part of a human that we cannot pin down, like a you know dead butterfly under a microscope, mm-hmm. and so, I mean. And so the parents you know wanted their children to be t- treated as persons, not as widgets, and you obviously you know have a you don't program a person, you treat them with respect and with dignity, and you and you only can do that through. A relationship. So my husband's a teacher, and so he, he, what he is able to do with his students is absolutely 100 percent based on the strength of their relationship. Whether they trust him, whether they believe him, you know, whether he's established authority over them, you know, they you know, respect him. Those, you know, are very, very human things, and they cannot be taken out of education. Or children simply won't get educated.
4: They couldn't have pulled this off with the town completely behind them. Are is the town behind him, Joy?
1: Well, you know that's an interesting kind of question. I mean, a, a very. I mean, it seems very clear that they have a huge amount of support behind them. So we're. Ta- this is a town of eight thousand people. Um, with with about um, the whole county has about thirty five hundred school aged children. And in its first year of operation, you know, between um, they had to actually go to a wait list because they could not fill. They couldn't. They had. 65 to 80 more children wanting to be in this school than could go so they mm. could only take uh, their k-8 school this year they plan to expand through high school you know in the upcoming years they could only take almost 200 kids this year so they filled all of their seats and they have 65 80 you know more kids there's a family that they uh, you know they told me signed up their baby to be in this school six days after the baby was born you know so obviously <laughs> <laughs> there's a huge amount of support there i mean like you know I, but I, I can't you know say that. Universal, right? Because the school board did deny, you know, their application for existence. They expressed their preference that this school not exist. But that seems to be kind of a school board thing and not a local community
4: thing. Joy Pullman, managing editor of The Federalist, talking to us about a, a unique new school there in Colorado. It's called the Merit Academy of Woodland Park, Colorado. It opened just back in August, and it's a, uh, it's a different approach to education. They had to go through a lot just to get the school approved, but they're on their way. And we'll keep our eye on that for you coming Uh, throughout uh, the uh, school year, see how they're doing. All right, uh, Mike Wilson from Any Hour Services is back with us. He's been on center stage throughout the day. We've had a lot of people call in and take advantage of this special offer. Mike will share more information on that for you here in just a minute. But um, how does someone know, Mike? We've talked a lot about furnaces today, obviously, because it's getting colder. How do you know it does need a tune-up?
8: Well, I mean, besides the obvious, you know, if you have one, manufacturers want you to do it, I I would say... It's especially important if you haven't done it in a couple of years. If if you found yourself last winter crossing your fingers, hoping that you would make it <laughs> well, just to one spring, one right? <laughs> then it's probably a good idea to, to get a tune-up. Um, if you... If you've done repairs on it in the last couple of years, I'd say a tune-up is a good idea because the best way to get the most mileage out of those repairs is to have somebody come in and maintain it and check and make sure those repairs are holding.
4: All right, you have technicians some who are, who have expertise in older furnaces yep. and in the newer furnaces, that's important, isn't
8: it? Absolutely. When you call in, we're going to ask you some questions about your system. One of them is the age of the system because we want to our goal is to get the right technician out to the job and we have a department that only specializes in doing these tune-ups. We do them 365 days a year. And so when you call up, uh, you know, we're going to ask you some information because we want to get the right guy out there. All
4: right. You've got a great offer tonight, but the phones have been ringing off the hook. They have. They've only got ten minutes, but you're, are you going to extend well, this for people? We, we like are because okay. I, I
8: was talking, and we, we've got so many people calling through. You you still have the online scheduling option there. There's no uh, overloading the internet that way. Uh, but the phones, we've just got so many people calling in. We're trying to get back to many, as many people as possible. We're going to extend this. I've got some people staying later to answer calls. We'll keep it the offer good until ten o'clock tonight. Okay.
4: What is the offer? Make so sure.
8: normally we charge ninety nine dollars to come out and perform the manufacturer's recommended maintenance and then. In- inspection. inspection items. But tonight, uh, KNRS listeners are going to be able to lock in a $70 savings and get this done for only $29. And that $29 price not only includes that $99 tune-up, but it includes our no breakdown guarantee. So if at any time during the winter your system breaks down, you call us up, we come back out for free, and we give you the money you paid for the tune-up back.
4: Michael, always great seeing you. It's good to be here. All right, Mike Mike Wills, he has this grin on his face all the time. From any hour services, talking about taking care of your furnace that time. Give him a call right now. Take advantage of this offer. 801-443-7400.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone
8: seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and
6: we lost track of time. <gasps>